Hello and welcome to the United on Wheels podcast. I am your hostess with the mostest, Paul Amadeus Lane, and I am so, so delighted to have you on our show today. We are going to be joined by one of the premier voices when it comes to mental health for our disabled community. We're going to find out about her journey, her career, and how she is empowering others who are having some mental challenges out there. But before we bring her on and welcome her, go to our website, unitedspinal.org. Why? Because there are so many great things happening on our website, in particular, our Strong Will Together campaign. And you have an opportunity to submit nominations for individuals with spinal cord injuries or disorders excelling in different areas such as arts, sports, entrepreneurship, youth leadership, you can help us to spread the word about being strong-willed together. And on our website there, there are so many resources there as well. If you are in business, you can take our corporate challenge. You can do so many things that we want to highlight some of the great things happening at unitedspinal.org. Back in March, there was an amazing story that was posted on our website. It was entitled, Don't Let a Bad Experience Keep You from Tapping into the Benefits of Therapy. When it comes to mental health and challenges in our community, let's face it. Sometimes we don't take the steps necessary to get the help. Maybe because of some biases that we have about mental health. Maybe some preconceived notions that our friends and family may have about mental health. But whatever the challenges are, we should not let that prevent us from getting the help that we need. And our next guest is going to talk about her experience. I am so delighted to have with me right now my next guest. She and I are both on the Tech Access Group here at United Spinal. We're talking about the amazing, the awesome Michaela Devins. Michaela, what's up? How are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. So great to be able to chat with you, Michaela. Uh, before so I brought you on, you know, I talked about uh, just the importance of, of your voice, uh, not only when it comes to our tech access community, but also just the community as a whole, because you have a lot of just insight when it comes to mental health and especially when we're part of the, the disabled community and how important our, our mentals are. So just being able to have you on is going to be really, really awesome. So, Michaela, before we talk about uh, mental health issues in our community, why don't you introduce yourself to our audience out there, ones who may not be familiar with you? Sure. So I'm originally from the Adirondacks, uh, way up in upstate New York. Uh, for people who aren't familiar, I usually say that it's about an hour south from Montreal, so practically Canada. Um, I was injured in 2010. Uh, I had a diving accident and sustained an injury at C4, C5, incomplete um, and have been quadriplegic and a power wheelchair user ever since. Um, in that time, I've gone back to school. I got married, uh, 
because of my husband's career path, moved to Philly for four years, and now find myself in Cambridge, Massachusetts. So um, it's been quite the road, but that's a little bit about me just kind of off the cuff. <laughs> that's cool. So, Michaela, you went from a New York Giants fan to a Philadelphia Eagles fan to now a New England Patriots fan. Is that right? I mean, to each of the people in those respective cities, yes. Uh, there you go. In truth, I'm not a sports fan really at all, but I will never forget being in Philadelphia when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, it was wild. Oh, my God. Uh, they had greased the lamp poles so that people wouldn't climb them, uh, but they climbed them anyway. So, you know, that's Philly. Uh, but I got free coffee. Uh, they, were, they were giving away free stuff because everyone in the city was just so excited. So I was like, hey, for today, if it means free coffee, I'm an Eagles fan. I love it. I love it. Uh, and, and Michaela, when you when you first got injured, what were some of the things that that you had to, to come to come to grips with um, when you realized that that, that, that things were going to change for you? Yeah, I. I feel like in the early weeks when I finally sort of came out of my drug-induced stupor, um, I kept thinking this is going to be, you know, a couple months at most, you know, like I kept seeing people at the rehab hospital and being like, well, they're here and they're working on walking or they're using their hands. So like, it can't be that bad, right? Like that must be what it's going to be like for me. Um, and then uh, having discussions with my mom and meetings with my care team, it slowly dawned on me that like, oh no, this is, um, this is going to be a lot longer than that, potentially lifelong. Um, so that was a really tough realization. And then from that point on, um, I was very depressed, um, but, you know, and that'll tie into, I'm sure, you know, some of our conversation today, but um, I'm really, really fortunate that I had a support system that um, encouraged me and bolstered me and um, a mother who, even if at the time I hated that she was doing it, she was always pushing me, constantly pushing me, never letting me uh, become idle uh, or just kind of wallow. Um, she just, yeah, she just was a, a, a real energizing force in my life in those, uh, especially in those early years. Um, yeah. Now, I, I get that, Michaela, because here, hearing your experience, it took me back to my experience. And you know, I'm going on 30 years uh, next January. And I kind of remember, too, when I first got injured, I was thinking, oh, it'll be a few months and I'll, I'll be all right. You know, because you hear these stories about ones who are, you know, recuperating um, and, and coming back from a spinal cord injury. And then when that didn't happen, that's when kind of reality comes in and you. Yeah. Deal with the depression. And then my mom, she was the one too, you know, really trying to encourage me and push me as well. And my dad and found me as well. So I, I, I definitely, definitely get that. And Michaela, what, what helped you mentally during, during that time to kind of, you know, deal with the mental challenges 
that you were now facing? Yeah, I mean, during that time, I really relied on my support system in a big way. My boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband, um, my closest friends that really were with me every step of the way, um, my family. Uh, I come from a very small town, a very tight-knit community, and so um, folks in my own community were really supportive of my family and I during those early years. So I think in all of that, just knowing that even if I felt like I was alone, I wasn't alone. Um, but then, you know, I didn't necessarily cope in a lot of ways. I struggled with anxiety and depression pretty severely after my injury um, for the first couple of years. And part of what helped was the community. Part of what helped was just continuing to move forward. My mom was always looking for new opportunities at, for rehab, going back to school, um, just staying busy to keep my mind occupied. Um, but in those, the, especially the early months, I just watched hours and hours of TV. Um, I cried all the time and I would save it for in the middle of the night or when I was alone. Like I didn't want other people to see that I was struggling as much as I was. Also because I felt like they were all working so hard to try to help me. And it, it felt like in some ways I couldn't show them that I was still having such a hard time. Um, and I, I look back on that now and I wish that I had been more open about my struggles, but mm -hmm. it, you know, at the time I didn't have any sort of language about mental health and what that meant. And, um, mental health was something that was still very much stigmatized in my life. Um, just because I, I didn't know any better. And I don't think anyone in my community or, or family or anyone else really knew anybody better either. It was just like, keep going, keep taking it a day at a time, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, keep praying and you'll be okay. Um, and while I think that's true to a certain extent, I think that the depth of my suffering wouldn't have been as much as it was if I had a language and a name to put to what I was experiencing, as well as some professional help. Um, I think those things would have, I know they would have helped immensely, but everyone has to have their own journey toward those things, right? Um, so I certainly don't look back and judge myself or my family members for not knowing better. Um, I just can recognize that that's where we were in this journey. Yeah, that's true. That's so true. And I think more, many ones who are listening and watching um, to our discussion, Michaela, I think that that definitely resonates with them because just the pendulum of emotions that, that we go through and, and especially if there's a stigma when it comes to, to mental health um, because of our community, because of family, you know, it can really wreak havoc on you. And, and, I, and, I, and I definitely, definitely, you know, just, just I'm so glad that we're having this conversation about mental health and, and why, 
it's a component that we have to deal with on top of, you know, the, the physical, physical challenge that, that we have, that we have as well. And, and Michaela, when you finally decided to maybe use your experience and use your voice to help others in, in our community, what did that uh, epiphany kind of look like? When, when, when did you shift from, now I want to help others who may have the same type of challenges. If you don't mind sharing that yeah. with us. That really came about over a long period of years, as well as um, my own personal journey with therapy mm-hmm. uh, and my professional journey. So it all kind of ended up converging. But, um, you know, I've struggled with anxiety and depression my entire life. I can look back at moments in really every period of my life, childhood, uh, you know, preteen years, high school, college, all of it, uh, post-injury, and identify depressive episodes and uh, disordered thinking and generalized, you know, features of generalized anxiety. And so these things have always been with me, but the injury certainly heaped on a whole new level of stress and trauma that um, made everything worse. And I wasn't really very well equipped to deal with that. Um, And then, you know, I felt like I had been pushing through. Uh, And then my husband and I got married in January of 2015. And it was my first time since the injury living on my own, so to speak, or living outside of my parents' home where I had for sure 24-hour support. Um, My mom was my primary caregiver and I wanted to know that I, that we could do this as a couple, um, that we could be independent and successful. Um, And at the same time, I was terrified. I mean, it was such a learning curve and I was navigating, you know, coordinating all of my own care um, and just trying to figure out what life this way was supposed to look like, you know, even though it was five years after my injury, um, that transition was, was really difficult. And I found that I was having panic attacks pretty regularly. Um, And that was tough. And my husband one morning uh, mentioned to me, have, you know, have you thought about therapy? And I was like, what did you just say to me? (laughs) Cause in my mind, it was like, therapy is for crazy people. Um, How can he possibly be suggesting this? Mm -hmm. Does he think that I'm weak? Like, does he think I'm failing? Um, And thankfully Kyle and I have a very open communication Mm -hmm. style. So I said as much (laughs) and I was like, do you think I'm crazy? And he was like, no, but you know, it's pretty clear that you're struggling and I don't Mm -hmm. know how to help. I don't know what else to do. Um, and after the initial sort of outrage and anger Mm -hmm. uh, wore off, I thought to myself, yeah, maybe I should give that a try again. Mm -hmm. Um, my only other experience with therapy was, uh, in rehab when I was inpatient immediately after my injury and it was not a good experience. So, you know, that was the other thing was like, you know, I've tried therapy. It doesn't work. You know, it's not 
doesn't do anything for anyone uh, based on that one very short experience with one clinician. Um, you know, but I thought, okay, I'll give it a try. Um, so I got set up with someone. I started that journey. I remember after the first session feeling like, oh my God, that's what their therapy is supposed to be like. Okay, I get it now. Um, and yeah, it just started this whole journey of building insight and relearning my mind and, and my body in a way that I hadn't before. Um, and, you know, this led to this idea of like, do people know about this? P other people should know about this, right? Um, which of course they did, but it felt like there's gotta be more. And also that I wasn't set up with uh, resources following my injury. Um, you know, so it felt to me like a really large gap in care. Um, and also that like, I wanna tell everybody how great therapy is, you know? Um, I did my undergrad degree in music education and vocal performance. Um, my injury was the summer after my junior year and I, I dropped vocal performance because of some damage to my vocal cords. Um, but I finished with the education degree and then I sort of shifted into literacy education. And so around the same time that I was beginning this journey with my own mental health, I was working with kids one-on-one -on -one or in small groups and constantly feeling like we can't get to the actual learning because they're anxious or because they're dealing with something at home or because um, they have ADHD and they need better ways to uh, feel focused and engaged with the material. And so I felt like I was constantly trying to get to matters of mental health with my students um, and not realizing it, just thinking that like they need support beyond just learning letters and learning how to read and write. Um, so, you know, all around the same time, it sort of culminated in this experience of tutoring a student who was a wheelchair user um, and having really candid conversations with him about what that life is like, uh, about how hard it was for him uh, in school to not feel like an outsider. Um, and we would just have these conversations before we did our, you know, our actual tutoring. Um, and it felt really meaningful. Um, and his parents were constantly telling me like, you have such an impact on him. Like we're so thankful they, you know, the school district matched you with him. And um, it all sort of culminated with like, oh, I think I wanna be a therapist. <laughs> Um, so it's a long road and it took many years, but once I was on, decided on that path, um, that was it. I love it. I love it, Michaela. Because uh, you really um, unpacked a lot of biases that ones have when it comes to therapy and, and your own experience. Especially when your your husband asks you if you need the therapy, because you know the, them them fighting words, right? In the marriage, right? Like, what are you talking about? I was like, excuse you. <laughs> yeah, so so I'm glad you shared that because if maybe our family members approach us and say, hey, you need some therapy, we 
we should let our guard down and not think that they're saying that we are crazy and that we need, that we need, need some help in dealing with things. And that's one thing that really changed my view mm-hmm. of therapy um, was I, I, I love my 600 pound life. I watched that show, Dr. Now. I love it. And when I, when I saw the different challenges that ones were having on that show and how different um, uh, therapists were able to help them out, like, like Dr. Paradise and, mm-hmm. and Lola and others would, would help um, the uh, the different patients and the way they would have conversations and how they would have a breakthrough and be able to overcome different things that were preventing that, that had these barriers from them moving forward and, and, and making progress. Yes. And when I started to see that, I was like, you know, this is something we need to talk about more because it's something that, that we need to do as, as, as humans, but especially the disabled community, because we spend a lot of time working on our, our, our physical rehabilitation that we don't spend time in our mental rehabilitation, you know, that, that we need to do because some of these mental challenges that we've had was there before the accident or before the yeah. injury that yeah. we need to, to come to grips with. What was it about therapy, um, Michaela, that when you sat down and was able to chat uh, with, uh, with your medical professional, that that you said, wow, I should have did this a long time ago, <laughs> or yeah. or this is something that that could have really helped me out with X Y Z. She was able to this first therapist, and I'll call her my first therapist because I don't count that first time at rehab. How <laughs> um, much you on that? <laughs> she was able to reflect my own thoughts back at me in a way that made me consider them differently. Um, so when it comes to anxiety, you know, I had a lot of fearful thoughts, a lot of spiraling sort of snowballing thoughts where um, one fear would lead to another, would lead to another, would end in catastrophe. Um, you know, I now realize that's it's literally called catastrophizing thinking. Um, And she was able to kind of pick it apart and reflect aspects of it back to me uh, where I was like, yeah, I don't know where that fear came from or I know where the fear came from, but I don't have any evidence or rationale as to why I'm even afraid of that. Or, um, Or I could spend time being fearful of this, but in the long run, is it actually going to change anything? Is it going to have any real impact on my life? Um, and so what are some ways that I can then reframe those thoughts? Uh, look, you know, shift the perspective so that I'm looking at things more realistically or in a more positive light or creating a narrative that will allow me to move forward with as much peace as possible. Um, so she... Yeah, she was able to use one of the sort of basic skills of therapy in a really expert way, which is that reflective listening and validating and then being able to act as a a sounding board and and to reflect things back at the client. Um, And that that process was something that was new to me Um, because everyone says that they're a good listener, but until you're in a room with a therapist who's really listening in a reflective way and 
and picking out the threads and the themes and helping you to kind of unravel what's at the heart of it all. Um, yeah, I feel like that was the first time I was like, wow, she really listens to me. <laughs> um, that was really important. And what's that old saying, Michaela? We do twice as much as listening than talking, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, and most people are listening to respond. They're thinking of their response as they're listening yes. rather than actually listening to what the other person is saying. Um, yeah. Yeah, you, you know you can always tell when the person uh, does that because when they say, well, well, "Excuse me, what'd you say? What'd you say? What'd you, can yeah. you repeat that?" Yeah. As you guys, they're they're formulating their own thoughts that they're not they're not really they're not really listening. So I'm yeah, glad, I'm glad you shared that, Michaela, because that's that that, that 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 is so true. And mm-hmm. how does how does it feel now, Michaela, to use your experience, your expertise, your education to now to be able to help others who who may be going through some, some very challenging situations in their life where, where they need some help as well. Yeah, it's honestly one of the greatest privileges of my life. And I, I truly mean that. Um, because when you work with and care about people, uh, to see, to build those relationships with folks, to see the, the real impact that your work together can have on their life. Um, it's indescribable. Um, and you will never know the full extent, like the full ripple effects of what that work might accomplish, how that might ripple out from their life into other lives. And that's true for any helping profession or any um, kindness given or um genuine relationship right is that you can never see the end of that work and I think that's just something that I always have in the back of my mind that even if I'm having a a bad day or a day where I feel like I'm a terrible therapist uh or I'm stressed I I remind I ground myself with that that you know this work is really important and we'll never know the full effect um but just seeing people's strength and resilience over and over and over again reminds me of my own. Seeing their humanity and their um, the moments when they're able to be vulnerable with me reminds me of my own humanity and my own vulnerable vulnerabilities. Um, and so I'm deeply touched and affected by this work in ways that I don't think my clients understand either. Um, the people that I work with, I will keep in my heart for my whole life. Um, there are clients that I worked with when I first started or when I was doing internships in grad school that I still think about. And I still wish them well wherever they are, whatever they're doing. Um, so it's a very, you know, to have that proximity to someone's life, to hear them share things with you that maybe they've not shared with anyone else ever to, for them to trust you with that. Um, I take it as a great honor and a great privilege. Uh, and it's work that I truly love doing. Um, and sort of selfishly helping others helps me to, you know, not forget my own problems, but Mm. put them in perspective to, um, be able to, know that I'm not alone to 
you know, maybe something that felt like a mountain is more, is brought into focus more, you know, I, I can see it more clearly for what it is just because of the work that I'm doing because of, you know, the narratives and the, the stories of the people that I work with. So, um, yeah, it's really wonderful work. And, um, you know, there was another part when I was thinking of getting into counseling was that a huge part of me felt like what, what are, what are, you know, areas of work that I can do as a quad. Um, and to me, this felt like a natural fit because I was like, um, yeah, I can sit and talk with people. <laughs> I can, you know, I can do some notes, uh, you know, so that was uh, something that, you know, naturally kind of fit in with my search for for potential careers. But um, <laughs> I am also just very fortunate that I, I feel really passionately about it and I and I love it. No, I, I love it, Michaela, because I, I feel the same way when um, I was trying to find a new career path, because before I was a musician, songwriter, EMT, uh, and I was like, I can't do that anymore. So what can I what can I do? I said, well, I can talk and have a big mouth, so I'll I'll, I'll, I'll be in the media. I'll, I'll do that. And and it, yeah. it's something that out of out of a necessity, how we can find different career paths you know, out there that, that we really accelerated and, and, and are exceptionally like, like yourself. And uh, that, that's really, it's really gratifying to hear, hear that Michaela, cause you and I have known each other for about a, a year, year and a half. I want to say being in the tech mm -hmm. access group and, I, and I've never, never heard your story. And, and I, I'm inspired by, 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 by what you, what you have gone through. And, and, and I know in our community, we sometimes frown at, people being inspirations but but I, I we can i rather us inspire people than than make people feel bad and, and discourage people so you know yeah. just, just what you've been able to do you know and, and and been able to help others you know that's truly exceptional because this is a need that we have in our community that we need to talk up more and more and more about because mental health and mental challenges that we face it's real and sometimes we need to take those mental health days yes to just yeah. pause and reflect and just get our mind right mm, absolutely um and i i agree with you about uh i think inspiration or inspirational is like a loaded term for the disability community but if i've done something that you feel genuinely inspired by, then yes, by all means. I don't want to be considered inspirational for leaving my apartment, right? I think that's like where the <laughs> where the rub lies. I agree. Uh, yeah, I'm not inspirational just because I'm in a wheelchair. Uh, yeah. But if there are, you know, things that I am able to do or accomplish that are genuinely inspirational to others, then I welcome that. Yeah. I'm so glad you shared it and spoken from a therapist. I'm glad. I'm See, that's what I'm talking about. That's why we have the professionals on here to talk. And uh, something that you and I are, are a part of, we kind of mentioned it in the beginning, Tech Access Group, and just the, the social impact and the just the, what it does for us mentally to be able to mm. be able to use technology to uh, be independent. 
is is something that, that you and I are very passionate about, especially for our community out there. Yes. And how important it is for them to use technology. And if you if you don't mind, you know, speak to that if you, you don't mind. Yeah. Um I mean, I've said before that I cannot imagine a better time to be disabled, except maybe in the future, Uh, because we have so much available to us now by means of technology that it facilitates independence in a way that disabled folks before us just have not had. Um, The fact that I can basically control my entire life from my computer and my phone is amazing. Um, you know, it allows me so much independence in running my household, in uh, being able to successfully do my work, um, right? So I think that technology intersects with uh, with employment, with mental health, right? Because if technology allows you to be employed um, and you enjoy the work that you do and you're not you know, spending those six or eight or nine hours of your day, uh, you know, just trying to sort of push out your troubles with TV or, right? Like, that's important for mental health. Of course, too much work is not good either. But, uh, you know, technology allows for um, an assistive technology specifically allows for recreation and community building, um, which is important to, to form peer support networks, uh, to have um, communication with others, you know, and learn things from the community that you might not have known otherwise. Um, yeah, as far as recreation and social health is concerned as well, like being able to play video games um, because of, you know, the quad stick or having the Xbox adaptive uh, kit or um, being able to play words with friends on your phone uh, or your iPad, right? Like all of these things um, are really, really important to the whole picture of a life. And I think especially for disabled folks, because, you know, online banking or, um, you know, any of these other things that we talked about, folks that are non-disabled might be able to access these things with or, wa- with or without technology. But there are some things that like for us, we don't have the option. We couldn't access it without technology. So, um, I just think it's important in literally every aspect of our life. Um, and if we can get tech companies to sit up and take notice and um, to listen to our perspectives and incorporate them into product design and literally every aspect of whatever they are selling um, or, or coming up with, I think that much better for, for all of us. Um, yeah. And I know um, back in March, you um, wrote um, an article for United Spinal about bad experiences, not letting bad experience uh, really, I guess, uh, I don't want to misquote the title, but yeah. talking about bad experience, not let it, not let it you know, kind of define you. And uh, we're so happy that, 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 that you were able to, to pin those thoughts uh, to a post and to a story that, that we all desperately need and how 
everything can can cross pollinate with each other when it comes to disability, mental health, tech, and all the other great things that that we do out there. And, and in closing, what has it meant to be a part of uh, United Spinal Association? I know you're in the uh, Boston Boston chapter up there, so talk about just the importance of that. Because maybe ones are listening and watching right now who uh, maybe this is their first introduction to United Spinal Association, and and why don't you? kind of share your thoughts about being a part of that organization. Yeah. Um, in, in two words, it has meant immediate community. Um, I moved from Philadelphia to Boston in June of 2020, uh, which was a, a very difficult time to move. <laughs> um, I was feeling really isolated. I had left my job in Philly so that we could move. I, did not have work yet. Um, I was spending a lot of time alone. Uh, the transition was really difficult. Uh, you know, I left behind a, a you know a place that I had built up support systems over four years, and uh, you know, moving to a new state and navigating new state systems and getting uh, care. It just was a very overwhelming time, um, and. That was around the time that I joined the Greater Boston Chapter and through their virtual groups, uh, I had this immediate sense of community. I had a place where people held space for me um, and were also able to give me tips and resources and to commiserate with me. And, um, you know, so having that group felt like finding family in a time when I was very isolated. Um, and I, you know, will continue to be involved with the chapter as long as I'm here in Boston. Um, I'm a peer mentor with them. I also do run a, a group for, uh, for women with spinal cord injuries. And um, it's been wonderful and you know then meeting the broader community the way that the chapters connect and um you know we have this sort of broader connection through united spinal as a whole i think is just uh it's wonderful and that's a really important part of mental health too is having that peer support um and having a network of peer support can make a huge difference so um yeah, I'm very thankful to the local chapter. I think they do a fantastic job. And um, I my life has been and continues to be just so enriched because of their influence. So, now, And we have been enriched by your influence. All of us here at the United Spinal Association, Michaela, you have been a, a bright spot, a wonderful voice and just an all-around great colleague and individual out there. We really appreciate all that you have done and will continue to do uh, with us at United Spinal. And, and before I let you go, any closing thoughts? Um, just thank you so much for having me. I really, I really appreciate that. That was very nice. Um, and I, I just really enjoyed talking with you today. Uh, thank you. And, and the feeling is definitely mutual. So please stay well and stay safe, my friend. You too. Really enjoyed my chat with the awesome, the amazing Michaela Devins. Uh, Michaela and I, again, we sit on the Tech Access group together, uh, helping to make uh, 
technology accessible for all. And I'm so delighted to call her a friend and also to be uh, associated with her. And, and I love her balanced view of what it means to be an inspiration. <laughs> you know, if we do something that is inspirational, I'm cool with it too. But just me getting out in the house and rolling down the street. You know, if you feel this inspirational, that's, that's, that's you and your joy. I'm not going to steal your joy, how you feel about it. But, but, but I'm so glad the way she helped to have a balanced view of that, as well as when it comes to mental health as well. So really enjoy our chat with the amazing uh, Michaela Devins. Don't forget, go to our website. Why? Because we are strong willed together. And don't forget, a strong will together campaign and how you can nominate ones for different awards that we have out there. Individuals that's excelling in art, sports, entrepreneurship, youth leadership. You can participate in our strong will together awards that we have to recognize them. And don't forget all the great resources on our website. You can find out more about the strong will together events um, and other events out there. How you can take action. How you can take the the corporate challenge, how you can partner with us and ways that you can give because we are a charitable organization and we always, always love help out there. So don't forget to, to join us. Until next time, friends, please stay healthy, stay safe. And remember, I love you guys' life. Take care.